actual game you can get us in the game just input a really cool code on the uh the galaxy map and you can listen to normandy fm i'm not going to tell you what the code is you have to find that out for yourselves place to the normandy ship like the normandy's loudspeakers yeah yeah it's great uh kenneth shepherd as always alongside me eric van allen we're very happy to have you here we are wrapping mass effect 2 today i mean we like we kind of already did we did all the main stuff but there's like one thing we should probably go take care of that Hackett asked us to do a while ago but uh, it doesn't seem that big doesn't seem that important you know just check it off when we get the time you know uh we gotta go help out his uh his friend who got caught got caught by the batarian police in a bad part of the galaxy and uh apparently she was not supposed to be yeah and apparently we she was looking for the reapers and we have to go alone because hackett is super like he's playing this one close to the chest he doesn't like what's uh what's going on here and so apparently he literally only trusts Shepard to take care of this so we are as jason derulo would say flying solo flying solo. solo yeah well, we're flying solo. We gotta fly. Well, do you fly in space? Does that count? Like, what do you do in space? I don't think that's flight. Because I think flight implies that there is wind, right? Like, that there is, like, gravity and you are floating in some way. Like, in space, aren't you just, like, moving? Propelling? Thrusting? Riding. We're thrusting our way through space over to. <laughs> uh, well, this is a Mass Effect um, game, so... What, what was it called again? The, when Hackett said this name, it made me laugh, because I thought he said Aratoot. <laughs> Good lord. I, I think Um So, we gotta go take care of this, and... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because I have the, the wiki open. As, as I do now, to help me keep track of things as we move through. I didn't realize that the screen you open up to talk to Hackett in your room is the one that's right next to the model ship display, which mm-hmm. I always forget that Shepard is a massive nerd and collects, like, Gunpla and stuff like that, but it's pretty good. <laughs> um, so we're going to land down, and uh, this prison already seems pretty bad when we get there because there's just dudes being tossed to uh, Varen to die. Mm. Just, yeah, so it's already bad conditions. But, uh... Huh. Ken, this is a lot of... This is a lot of things that I didn't like was this DLC. Mm. I'm gonna be honest with you. All right. That's I fair. did not have fun for the large majority of this DLC. Uh, mostly because 
we talked a lot especially this last episode and the one before it about how mass effect really shines when you're not shooting and when you're not Mm. doing the things that you always do in mass effect and every time in this dlc i thought they were going to do something interesting they instead just made me shoot things and then hit Mm. buttons and that Mm. is like the large majority of this dlc which is really weird because that's like super different from maybe not zaid but definitely kasumi's dlc and even lair the shadow broker at Mm. least had some interesting uh investigative investigative stuff and uh I always get it mixed up with um, some of the stuff that happens in Mass Effect 3, too, because Mass, Mass Effect 3 has some brilliant DLC that really goes out of its way to uh, to give you interesting things to do that aren't just combat. Mm. And this is the one where I was like, cool, we're just... this." It reminded me of Mass Effect 1, let me put it that way. The design mm. of this mission reminds me of Mass Effect 1. So tell me, tell me how you felt about it. Even when it was kind of like breaking stuff up, it felt like... It was. It felt pretty artificial. Like it was a lot of busy work. Like there are points where you have to like redirect gas and like through valves to clear paths. And then there was even a weird point where like you have to do these like crane things, like move obstacles out of the way. So it was. It like. And yeah, you're right. That is like very Mass Effect One. It is very like outside of common action. It's very standard stuff. It's very. It's like it's not stuff that sticks out in the grand scheme of things. And um. It, it it is an especially weird note to go out on, like all things considered. Like as you mentioned, all the other DLC they've had, maybe with the exception of like Zaid and I mean some of the stuff we never covered, like the uh, the vehicle stuff was maybe a bit different. But this is supposed to be like kind of like you know the last taste you get of this game before you move on to the next thing. So it was at least like for the first half that is a little strange that they kind of through like the most generic mission they possibly could into the mix yeah i i would even say for the large majority of the mission this is a very bog standard mass effect one thing but we will get to that because first we gotta we gotta rescue kenzin and as we get there we're kind of getting like a little taste of what's going on but once we rescue her she basically tells us hey the reapers are coming dude they're gonna show up like days from now and we're gonna go shoot a planet into the mass relay to stop that so we we bust kenzin out of prison in what is an extremely boring prison break i hope i don't sound too um so i'm really happy to be here yeah it's well first of all if you can't tell from my voice i'm like mega congested right now so i I love talking when i i'm literally like a giant head full of mucus but um we're also like for context this was the one part of mass effect that mass effect 2 that i left to like play before we did this recording because i was like oh you know i want to be fresh on it it feels like this interesting segue into mass effect 3 i want to have this thing that uh will really give me a good segue into the sort of things i want to have front of mind when we go into mass effect 3 and Mm -hmm. Having played this literally all of about, like, it took me maybe about an hour to play through all of it, and I finished it maybe, like, half an hour before we started this recording, I was like, that was it? <laughs> that was... To be fair. That was the big lead-in. <laughs> like, to be fair, like, the actual story stuff here is, like, feels 
very important, like, just in the way that it sort of, like, again, leads into, like, the very beginning of Mass Effect 3, but it, it like, like we said, it's, it's a, mm. from an actual mission stru- structure, it's just very, very stock, very memorable. Is the story stuff interesting, though? <laughs> I mean, okay. I think it is, because it's, so, like... Let's get into it now, because oh, okay. we're, we're right, through yeah. the boring prison break, and we're we're flying on a shuttle, and Kenzin basically sits us down and explains all this stuff to us, that um, she was researching this artifact that they found called Object Row, and Object Row basically instilled a vision in her team, similar to the way uh, the Prothean Beacon did with Shepard, that the Reapers are coming and they're going to this relay that's called the Alpha Relay. It's in the system and it's the one that's like super connected to all the other relays and it's like their staging ground. And she realized that if they destroy this relay, then they can take it apart and the it'll take a lot longer for the Reapers to actually arrive and it'll take even longer for them to get to mass relays that they will then be able to access other systems with. Uh, which is something that I, it probably, there's probably details in the codices about this, but uh, is, that, is that how you say it? The codices? I don't think codexes is codexes? right. I think, it's, I think it's codices, like codices, but I might be wrong. Mm. Send in a correction if you think the way I say that is wrong, <laughs> please. Um, but uh, they might they might go into detail about that the way that the mass relays kind of interlink and which ones can connect to which and things like that. Uh, mm. But this one is essentially the alpha relay as uh, a connection to all the other relays, and so it makes it like the perfect staging ground. And once her team realizes this, they realize they need to destroy it, and the only way to destroy it is apparently to ram a planet into it. And that was how they got caught. They were smuggling a bunch of stuff that turns a planet into a giant baseball in space <laughs> is, flying through is the air. Planet, is um, planet the right word? Because I always thought they, it was like, supposed to be like an asteroid. Yeah, they, at one point she says we're going to ram it with a small planet at, at a very high speed, so that should work. And so that's what made me think that it was maybe more of a... I mean, the distinction might be arbitrary at best, because, I mean, what is the difference between a planet and an asteroid mm. other than size? So, uh, if if you have thoughts on this, <laughs> send <laughs> normandyfm at gmail.com. Um, Twitter.com slash normandyfm show? Yeah, yeah, that one too. Hit it, hit us with those uh, replies if you think we're wrong. Uh, ratio. Hey, don't, put, don't, 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 don't say we. This is all Eric's doing. Um. So, yeah, that's basically the plan, and the other factor here is that blowing up a vast relay essentially supernovas the entire system, so everyone in it will die. Uh, and, and so we've got that on our minds, that basically doing this would kill an entire system worth of... Bata- I mean, it would basically wipe out the Batarian race, because from what I understand, this is like the home system of right. the Batarians. Mm-hmm. This would, like, completely wipe them out. It would be, like, wiping out the solar system. Yeah, yeah, it'd be, like, the Milky Way. Or not the the Milky Way's the galaxy. Um, Yeah, it'd be, like, taking out the solar system. Um, Man, I should have done some astronomical research at some point during (laughs) this podcast. Uh, We got a whole season left, though. You're you're good to do that. I know, right? Uh, So we we get to the base, and then 
we're, we're kind of hanging out and Kenzen takes us to the object row immediately I'm like okay there's all these locked doors that are here that says you can't access this now and there's all these people standing around like I know where this is going mm. and then we we get to object row and we get blasted with the vision uh well we also see their big old countdown timer that's like two days until they get here uh and then we get blasted by the vision and when we come to uh curse kenzin for her predictable but inevitable betrayal she's actually indoctrinated her whole team is indoctrinated they just kept object row in like open air for some reason it's just hanging out this giant like what what looks like they cut the bottom of a reaper off i think they cut off a reaper's ass and it's just like hanging out um (laughs) and uh they're going to kill you because they have to stop the project from happening and this is kind of where I lost the thread of this DLC because can I understand that at some point I have to suspend my disbelief to allow for drama to happen and for, you know, this, this stage play to work. But if the Reaper's plan was really to use an indoctrinated Kenson to stop Shepard from doing this, why didn't they just fly the shuttle anywhere else? Or, I don't know, like, lock Shepard up or something? Why did they take Shepard to the object row with all of her guns in, like, a place that is easily defensible? Yeah. Well, from my understanding was that they, one, they wanted Shepard, like, alive. They want they wanted to preserve their body for some reason. Um, also, like, I mean, the blast does sort of, like, injure them in a way. Like, I mean, I don't know that it's reflected in gameplay, but it is, like, disorienting to them. It hurts them. Um, and I think the, the plan was to sort of... Because, like, now... You, you literally just played this, like, the scene yeah. itself is sort of, like... So, yeah, they, I, we do, like, a whole wave defense thing here, and then if you get all the way to the end of it, survive the whole thing, uh, it just blasts you, and it's like, you're down now. <laughs> you, yeah, you lose and, I mean, now. and if you lose it, like generally um they you know you get the kind of the same situation where they yeah and so i already i'm kind of like if if your goal was to make this thing not happen also if all these people are indoctrinated and this thing is already set up why aren't you like dismantling the thing anyways because we're led to believe that well they okay finish finish we're, we're led to believe that this has been a plan for some time, right? We're led to believe mm. that this is the idea and that everyone there is working working indoctrinated for the Reapers. Uh, they've been slowly indoctrinated over time by the Reapers. Uh, and, and by this point, they have pretty much lost all control uh, over their actual selves and they're just full-on, like, Saren indoctrinated. Uh, so if not then... Then maybe during the two days, as we learn well, when Shepard well, wakes up, that we have okay. been sedated, why didn't they just get rid of the big red button? <laughs> like, oh. Well, the thing, is, the thing is, as we've come to learn at this point, indoctrination isn't quite as direct as that. It's not like you necessarily are immediately controlled and like you're basically a puppet. It's more just like a gradual deterioration of your psyche and then 
But it's enough for a scientist to sit there shoving sedatives into Shepard for two days straight. You think it'd be enough to just, like, command a dude to go pull some wires out of a console? Yeah, I... I don't... My, my suspicions of disbelief is only, only go so far, but it's kind of like... Yeah, it is... That there has to be some way for Shepard to get out. Like, there, there are all these sort of, like, possible foolproof plans that they could have, but... It's a video game. We gotta... I know. that, And that's... This is maybe the most apparent of any, like... I'm... Bioware doesn't fall into this writing trap so often, which is maybe what's surprising me. And it, it happened only one other time in this, in this game, actually, in Mass Effect 2, which is uh, when you're on the prison planet with Jack and you basically walk or the not prison it's like the satellite it's the jack recruitment mission and you walk in and the guy's basically like hey here's this cell get on in there shepherd <laughs> you know <laughs> you don't have a choice just walk in the cell totally chill just drop all your weapons and armor and walk on in and i i remember like every time i've played that i've just been like what did this dude think was going to happen he's got like three fully armed people with no real reason to want to listen to him who can easily kill all of his mercenaries and his cunning plan was to like just tell you to do the thing he wanted you to do and hope that you did it like that's that's kind of like what's happening here and so yeah i'm not crazy about this story (laughs) if you can't tell um, my yeah i mean that that in itself and there's you know all the pitfalls that it falls into what personally i like about arrival is more like which we are leading up to obviously is the way it ends and the way it sets up mass effect 3 specifically that's, that's which we can get into now yeah um yeah so we we get through this whole thing and we've been skipping over what is essentially a lot of combat and stuff where there's elevators and you're holding off waves of dudes and you have to shut down doors and then once you're in this place you have to run around and do like some cooling rod things and stuff there's a lot of just combat situations that feel like they have an added layer of busy work on top Mm. of them uh but then after a while we eventually get to the point where we have not only initiated the project and sent the the asteroid hurtling towards the mass relay uh, but we uh, we also stopped Kenzin from overloading the reactor, which would blow up the asteroid and stop it from happening as well. And, and during this time, we've kind of gone through logs and we've heard all the, at this point, what, you know, the things we have heard a lot, it's, we're slowly becoming indoctrinated. I hear the whispers, there's scratching mm. on the walls, I'm, I'm going insane, and stuff like that in, in all the logs. Um, and then we get to Kenzin now... Ken, I will tell you just straight up, I shot Kenzen. Like, come on. Fair. That's Very fair. That's what you do. That mm-hmm. that person's indoctrinated and holding a detonator. You, if anything, I'm just mad that Shepard didn't shoot better. Like, come on, winging her on the shoulder. Like, please, <laughs> Shepard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it, it kind of blows up, and we got to make a last-minute run for a shuttle, and then the shuttle doesn't... The last shuttle well, the, takes off. Before we, before we get to the shuttle, we got to talk about, like, the one instance that it gives you something that is like oh it, yes, th- there's yes. a choice to, there's a choice to be had but it's like doesn't really matter but yeah it, i still feel like it says a lot about the person who makes the choice anyway yeah you're right you're right i i did miss this part um we uh 
as we initiate the project to send the asteroid hurtling towards the mass relay, we get the option to either try and warn the Batarians who live in the system to get out or uh, call the Normandy for evac. And I chose to warn them. I did not know it would be like fruitless, essentially, but right. uh, that is what I did because that, mm. that felt right. It felt like the right. right thing to do. It is like one of those, like, it's more of like a character defining moment for your shepherd, like defining priorities and just like, you know, are you like, what level of dick are you basically? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, there is a part of me that kind of likes it. You can't really save everybody, but if it is, that is the renegade in me, I guess it's kind of like, no, nah, there needs to be like, this is the thing that we have to do, but like, there's not going to be this. It's not going to be tied up neatly with a bow. Like we got to kind of live with the consequences of what's about to happen. Yeah. So we we give them we try to warn them, but it gets interrupted anyways. We basically learn that the communications array is not like we're not able to reach out beyond. And then uh, after we shoot Kenzen, or Kenzen dies in an explosion either way, um, and and we're running for the shuttle. The last shuttle takes off, so we have to use the communications array to try and get the Normandy in. And then guess who shows up? Harbinger. Now, um, something I didn't talk about in the last episode that I was bummed I didn't talk about because it actually is one of my favorite Mass Effect 2 moments, uh, but I think we're just so wrapped up in everything that we were talking about, I forgot to mention it. Uh, The reveal that Harbinger is not like a singular collector or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but is an actual Reaper is really friggin' cool, man. Like, I I love that moment every time because you always see You watch the collector... Like, you watch the Collector, like, suddenly come into his senses, and then, but it's too late. Yeah, like, that's yeah. that's a really good moment. Like, yeah. oh, that's so good. So, uh, having Harbinger show up here, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder, like, if that would have changed... That would really change it if you did this mission before you actually did the suicide mission. Because now you know that Harbinger is a Reaper, and so it's kind of weird in that way. Well, did you... Did you look at what happens if you do it before the suicide mission? I did not. I did not know there were yeah, different cutscenes. Yeah, let me double check and make sure I don't talk on my ass here because I'm pretty sure I know what happens. I just want to be totally sure. Uh, I can I can take a look at this wiki. Too. Well, I'm, I'm like, let's go down to great uh, radio content we've got here. Listening to us, look things up. Uh, if you haven't completed the suicide mission yet, then the collector general will be the hologram. Right. If you have completed the suicide mission, you will talk to Harbinger directly. Okay, right. That's that's really cool. Then that's a cool thing. Yeah, I like that a lot. Like it, it maintains like the twists. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. That's that's cool. I'm glad that they did that. Um, but then Harbinger just kind of still does that thing, like the "We will be your demise. You're doomed. You're all gonna die." Ha 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 ha. And then, it's the sovereign talk part two. Yeah, and also like I love that he said, "Prepare yourselves for the arrival," and arrival was capitalized, like. <laughs> He said the name of the DLC. <laughs> it's like that that Family Guy scene where Peter's like in the middle of the theater, is like, ah, he said it. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I had that moment where I was like, oh god. Uh, yeah. But then the Normandy shows up, and we get off, and and we're all good, and the relay goes kablooey, and we have we have done the deed. Uh, yeah. And killed a lot of people in the process. About what was it? Three hundred fifty thousand. Committed 000. war crimes. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Shepard does war crimes for the greater good, you know, for the for the greater good. <laughs> Shepard Shepard's tagline, be gay, do crimes. 
uh i i did not know this by the way if uh, so this next scene where hackett uh shows up to debrief you in person which i Mm. was thinking about it and i was like is this the only time we ever have a face-to-face conversation with admiral hackett because i couldn't remember if not three not in three and there there's 1.3 1.3 that you do but um okay. it is the first time we see him in person at all like this is the first like it's amazing that a character as like important as Hackett is somebody that we don't we like didn't see an actual face of until a year before the trilogy was over uh-huh it's it's, it's cool i like it it's, yeah. it's fun uh so um he's talking to Chakwas, unless if Chakwas is either missing from the attack on the Normandy. So if you're doing this mission after mm. people have been abducted from the Normandy, or she's dead from the suicide mission, it'll be Joker talking to him. That's cool. Mm. That's a nice little thing. But I, I just like the idea that your entire crew has been kidnapped, and you're like, yeah. wait, no, I gotta go take care of this real quick. Yeah, like um, this, this DLC has got like a lot of different permutations that it's gonna account for, which they seem to have mostly gotten down which is you know yeah it really makes me happy that they do that with the collector general though that's really smart um but you basically tell hackett what happens and he's he's basically cool with it and he's like yep you know you did what you had to do uh i would not i would not uh hold it against you at all you can kind of you know tell him about what happened to kenzen or you can just explain that you needed to do the thing and that Kenzen kind of died in the process of mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, it seems like the Par- the Paragon option was like, you know, kind of softball the fact in there, but the Renegade option is you're just straight up, like, Kenzen just went full-on indoctrination mm-hmm. and almost killed all of us, and she was terrible. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you'd just be a total dick to hack it, which seems like... Not the right thing to do, but kind of fun. It, <laughs> that, it's that a, a thing to do. It is a thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and you kind of get to the point where Hackett's like, okay, well, Shepard, you committed a war crime, so you're going to have to answer to that in some way. So mm. uh, you, you kind of get told, you get the option here. You can be like, I'll turn myself in. At you know, once the mission is done, which right. I thought was kind of weird the way they phrased. I guess because you still need to be free roaming after right. this is done. Uh, so she's like, "Oh, once the the mission is done," but you've kind of already done the mission, so that was kind of weird. Uh, if if you just are kind of like, "Oh, you know, thanks for delaying," he just walks away, and then you can also just kind of you know argue with him and say it's bullshit, but. Uh, yeah and also it it ends with him saying you did a hell of a thing commander which was maybe just the weirdest note to end this dlc on was him being like yeah you're gonna be tried for war crimes he did a hell of a thing commander (laughs) it's like what my my overall feelings on this piece of dlc was it's interesting how they kind of put it together to set up that okay you know they probably had an idea in their minds we need shepherd on earth uh, for when the Reapers show up, because this is how we want to go about it. They had to be storyboarding by that point in some way. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you, you point this out in your notes, too, that it does give you 
kind of a start, kind of a general, you know, like bridging between the two. But it could have gone a little bit further to at least tie it a little bit more in, have some interesting things there about, you know, maybe mention the Crucible or something like that. In a way that this maybe almost reflects the fact that they were still figuring out how exactly they wanted to end this trilogy. Because as, as is something I imagine we'll be talking about a lot once we start the third game. Right. It still does not seem clear in this game that they know where they want to go with it. And you can it, see so many threads yeah. still dangling the indoctrination, the dark energy, all that kind of stuff that uh yeah. <laughs> but the thing that and the thing that's like so fascinating to me at, at this point in time when Arrival came out, this game was supposed to have come out the same year. Like or Mass Effect 3 was supposed to come out that same year. I right. don't because like it was eventually delayed into the next year, which not by much. It was supposed to be like you know winter two thousand eleven, and then ended up uh, March of two thousand twelve. So like you had to assume that they had to have known at least the general like sense of what was what wherever they were going. And Hackett was one of the two characters that was really involved with the you know the finding of the Crucible, and yet it doesn't mention it at all. And you know there there is like you know suspension of disbelief that like because like it is six months between Mass Effect or between Arrival and Mass Effect Three, so like a lot can happen in that time. But it's like it, it kind of like looking at it now after the trilogy is over, like one of Mass Effect the trilogy's mo- like kind of like most overlooked things is that is the Crucible. It is like the int- implementation of the thing that is basically you know one of the most important pieces of information that they could have possibly had at this point and they just kind of don't really touch on it until the last game and it's like there there's a lot of words for what you can probably call that but and we will I'm sure we will mention them a lot mm-hmm. in the next the next season but yeah it's just it's such a weird choice knowing at least like just from what we know on the outside about the development of that game and relative to when they were finishing up the DLC yeah and i i'm really I'm really glad that we are <laughs> the timing on this worked out so well that we are doing this uh at the same time as Game of Thrones is ending, which I know you're gonna love this tangent here, Ken, because you are an avid Game of Thrones fan, but <laughs> uh, it's there's a similar story beat in Game of Thrones that ends up becoming sort of the big this is this is the big thing this is the big reveal. And the way it's been handled up until now just really makes it kind of... It it lacks the oomph that you expect. Mm. And in the same way that I often wonder when I'm, you know, when I was watching Game of Thrones, I'm like, does this guy even know how he's going to end this story? Like, he has this theoretical big bad setup, but Mm. does he have a concrete idea of what are the factors that need to happen? What are the things that need to go down and again like that is the hardest thing i can't imagine as a fiction writer trying to wrangle that because even when you read like early harry potter you know how do you read sorcerer's stone or chamber of secrets and start to think like how does this how is this all eventually going to play into what happens in the seventh book and a lot of this like that's the reason why those books got longer and longer and longer because you needed to find ways to write that stuff into the story in a way that made sense uh, mm-hmm. And so, 
these are the things I'm, I'm going to be thinking a lot about going into Mass Effect 3. Just the mm-hmm. way that we write long series and the way that we end long series. Because that's what Mass Effect 3 is. It's a game of endings. It's a game yeah. of goodbyes and partings. And that, but that's um, the thing that, like, just to like kind of quote the dust on this before we move on, that's the weird thing about video games versus books, is that you can make a small, you know, like a DLC where you can insert those things without it having to be in, you know, the main $60 video games that you put on shelves. And that's like, it just seems like such a missed opportunity here. Which, mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not expect to be so negative on this DLC, but I, it really does just kind of feel like almost like a wedding of the appetite, which is really what yeah. it should be. Yeah. It should be this thing that, you know, Mass Effect 2 has been out for a little while. You want to build up some hype for Mass Effect 3. So you put out this thing that's like, oh, get excited. This is all the stuff that's going to lead into it. But I just feel like they could have taken one extra step and just gone a little bit further and it would have felt a lot better and also, you could really tell that they did not want to spend too much money on making this because not only are you completely by yourself, so the only voice actor they had to get back was Shepard, but Joker does not speak at all. Right. I super noticed this when the voice that came in over the comm relay tower was some random dude yeah. who's just like, Normandy coming in for approach. And I was like, aren't all the, all, all the guys here are either like dead or indoctrinated who just talked to me? <laughs> like, then that's a weird thing. It's like I don't really know what like the legal stuff is about that. They could have just picked like some random soundbite that Seth Green recorded like for the game proper and just put it in there and it would have been fine. But I I don't know what the legal reality of that is. It's yeah. like yeah. So there are only two characters in this DLC that speak again at all in in any of the rest of the game and attack it and Shepard. So yeah, there was. There's definitely a part of me that was like, maybe the reason you're by yourself is because they didn't want to have to record new voice lines for all the the squad mates and stuff. Yeah, and and they did that a few times because like later the Shadow Broker doesn't have new voice acting for any of the squad mates as well. Um, right. And then like nobody speaks in Zaid's mission and nobody's there for Kasumi's mission and yeah. But so... then like in, in Mass, but then Mass Effect Three is like kind of the point where they started to like really invest in DLC because they. Like, every DLC that somebody's in, except for, like, you know, Omega, where nobody's in, but that's, you know, a whole other thing. But, like, Citadel, yeah. Leviathan, um, from Ashes, and then, like, moving on to, like, Inquisition, everything in there has got, like, full voice acting. And so, like, they, I guess they probably realized that they could, you know, like, it, it, they probably just thought the expenses were worth it to, like, make that, the characters feel more involved. I mean, I think with 3 also, there was a little bit of a feeling of, the reception to that game at launch was so cold that they wanted to garner some goodwill Mm. with the things that they put out afterwards. And they definitely did not want anything to seem like it was half baked or anything, which I mean resulted in two. Well, okay. I have not played one of them yet, but what I assume is two really good pieces of DLC, arguably one of them, as I have heard being some of the best DLC ever. So, Mm. uh, so Only two? I, well, so Leviathan... Oh, I'm, I forgot Omega. So yeah, two really good pieces of DLC. I really like Leviathan. I really like Omega. I'm looking forward to when we get to talk about those. Mm-hmm. And uh, Citadel. I, I still need to set that up. I think the plan is I, I'm going to live stream my playthrough of Citadel because I've never played Citadel before, and it would be fun to have those live stream reactions set up. I just need to find a, a time and place to do that. 
uh but we'll we'll put that out on social media and stuff when that happens so y'all can tune in as well and join ken in gushing over everything that happens (laughs) and being sad that kasumi is not there because i missed the damn mission (laughs) Mm. uh pour one out for kasumi y'all uh we're going to close this episode out with a viewer question that was sent into us by rain. Thank you for sending that in and being a patron and supporting us and all that we do. If you want to support us, you can always head over to patreon.com slash where you can help us take care of hosting costs and get us up to those tiers where we can start doing some of these other Bioware games. You know, we've got Andromeda on deck, I believe now. I think it's, it's, is it set now that we're doing Andromeda or are we just a little bit shy of it? We're a little bit shy of it, but we're pretty close. Like could very reasonably get to it very reasonably and then after that we've got dragon age so if Mm -hmm. you like me have been thinking of dragon age inquisition a lot recently you could help us get there and and we've got some other ones in there too if you'd like to support us always happy and you get to send in awesome viewer questions like rain did he asks they ask i should say sorry um squatties where do you rank your favorite me crew members in your pantheon of video game characters in fairness, my ME1 and ME2 squads were usually our favorite Turian and whichever Krogan was around. Garrus is my number one game bro of all time. Much like you guys, ME is one of the most important franchises of my in my life. Garrus is the ultimate. This guy has your back no matter what, and you can never hear scoped and dropped enough. I, I'm more <laughs> partial to I love this gun, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, so where do we rank mass effect crew members in our overall pantheon of video game characters so everyone in in any video game ever so i i know one kenneth shepherd already has a fav- favorite character of all time uh that i <laughs> i cannot imagine has been dethroned by anyone else uh let me tell you about ashley williams oh okay <laughs> <laughs> no i um yeah, I, ever like you know you god okay where do you start so, for me, Kate and Alenko has always been this incredibly important character to me. Like, the only... Like, if I were to, like, you know, make a list of my, my top favorite, five favorite pre-written characters, I'll make that, I'll make that caveat yeah. there. Like, yeah, I compared think you to, like, to make that caveat. Yeah, because, like, Shepard would be... Like, Shepard himself would be, like, number one for me. But, like, right. pre-written characters, like, there's maybe, like, two others that, like, come to my mind that would I would hold in my heart as close as him, which would be, like, Junko from Danganronpa and, like, Joel from The Last of Us, some, like, people like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, that character was, you know, this, that his relationship to my shepherd was something that came into my life at a very, very crucial time in my life. Um, there's actually writing about it on the internet somewhere on some, on any website that we don't talk about anymore. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, in terms of where he ranks, like, up at the top, like, maybe tied with Junko if I had to, like, if you put a gun to my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are like ones that would be in like the top ten as well that would be like Tally and Rex and probably Gareth as well. When I think of my top video game characters of all time, uh, I it's hard for me because I rarely get attached to specific characters as opposed to maybe like the overall story of a game. Like, like I love the story of the world ends with you, but I don't think there's any like character. I, you know, I love I love Neku, but I don't think that he would necessarily be like one of my favorite characters of all time so mm. i when i think about the characters that really resonate with me um i've always liked uh 2b and a2 from uh from near automata are mm. definitely characters that uh resonated with me i did not like 9s that much uh that might mm. be a little shadow self who knows but <laughs> it's uh <laughs> 
those those characters especially resonated with me i i like the way that they were written i like their their motivations and uh god see i'm trying to think about characters that i i care enough about like like the way i I think about it is like would i have memorabilia of this character Mm. you know would i would i put a poster of this character on my wall and yeah my frequent answer to that is i don't have characters that are like you know i have like my fighting game mains who i do feel a sense of connection to like yeah you know i I have a soft spot for whenever i spend a lot of time just getting to learn a character in a video game you, you start to develop an attachment to that so i definitely have like you know you look at street fighter and i have characters like jury and cammy and um most recently uh cody that i i really mm. like uh and, and you look at you know smash captain falcon i've been playing captain falcon for a very long time yeah. uh only recently did i switch to a different character uh and but when i think of actual actual characters i mean i'd have to probably that is, that is... Yeah, that is kind of like the weird distinction you got to make with some things because like I have like a lot of attachments to like my my mains and things as well like Ryu from Street Fighter, mm-hmm. uh, like Soldier seventy six from Overwatch and the Green Arrow from Injustice, but not but he, I think he, that's more expanded into like he is an actual character that is written in things because like you get attached to things but that are to a certain extent just like mechanics with faces in some games, um, mm-hmm. and so like that is like a whole other category that I wouldn't necessarily like I wouldn't necessarily put Ryu on like a list of top 10 characters even though i do have this great attachment to him just from playing as him in those games but um it's not the same as something like you know like the ones we've mentioned from mass effect or other games um mm-hmm. i think you would actually be surprised to know that uh komeda uh nagito from danganronpa mm. 2 is like one of my favorite characters of all time oh that's he's, absolutely legit he's he's very good um i'm a big fan of him mm. and Kibo from V3. I like Kibo right. a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I, like, I have a similar, like similar to Shepard even, like I have a similar uh, attachment to like Hajime from Danganronpa 2 and yeah, that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I think of my favorite characters, a lot of them tend like pre-written characters. They'd probably go more towards the, the Danganronpa characters that I really like. Um, mm. If I look at like Virtue's last reward, um, a lot of, a lot of the characters there, Fee, especially, um, really like her. She's great. Um, is it, is it Fee or Fi or I've never known how to I pronounce that. I think it's Fi? They, they say it, I remember because in Zero Time Dilemma they had the, the voice acting, but I want to say they always said it Fee and that like super bothered me. But yeah, no, I like her character a lot, a lot. Um, very good character. Uh, so yeah, I guess to circle back around to this being about Mass Effect, if I think about like my pre-written characters in Mass Effect and how they stack up in all time, one could probably make the top five. I think uh, Garrus could make the top five just mm-hmm. because he is the character I associate Mass Effect with, uh, even more right. so than Shepard. Uh, I think of Garrus, and then I think of uh, Liara and Tali, about equal. Uh, right. and, and then they would probably be in like my top 10 uh top 15 but i that's that's not something i always think about all the time but yeah definitely garris is is a character that like grew out of i think he really grew out of this game because 
whenever you look at stuff i think even in andromeda and things like that it seems like people were going oh can't we get anything about garrus like i want to know what happened with garrus because you do get the little bit in andromeda about uh liara i believe right she yeah she and has, I like mean, a minor speaking role in it or something like like that. audio lungs and yeah. like i mean i don't think you ever got at this point but you do get things like that that garrus is sort of tangentially involved with um which we will get to when we get to that game should we get to that game Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like, there, there was like an acknowledgement by the time they got to Andromeda. It was like, who can we, for like from you know the previous games, who can we include that is going to be able to like a, make a meaningful impact in like a very short time? Because they like we can't spend too much time on it because then it's clearly fan service. But like, who is somebody that we can reasonably tie yeah, into the story? Easter egg hidden away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even when you when people talk about the kind of games they'd want to see in the Mass Effect universe, I think the, the CSEC one comes up a lot. I've seen a lot of people suggest that one. And mm. uh, I think that Garrus definitely plays a part in that. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I like Garrus a lot. I think when we initially looked at this question, uh, we, for some reason, Ken and I both read this wrong. We thought mm. that this was like, you wanted us to rank our favorite squad mates. So that might be a thing that we end up doing and just putting that out there so we were talking about it it might be next week it might be sometime later but a ranking of the squad mates would be a fun thing to compare both to compare our lists and maybe to surprise ourselves as to um where we put certain characters over others i'm really interested because i mean i think we both know what each other's like top three and bottom three are gonna be but it's it's yeah middle of the pack that i'm interested in so uh yeah well we'll take a look at that but that's that is now officially it for Mass Effect Two. Uh, we are done with Mass Effect yep. Two. It's it's gone. I'm gonna uninstall it from my hard drive later tonight. Uh, it's over. Pull one out. Press F to pay respects. Which means that we're about to go into arguably the hottest of hot takes, the the most heated gaming moment. Uh, Mass Effect Three. I'm pretty excited. We're we're getting things I'm... lined up. We're we're getting ready i'm going back over my notes i'm getting ready to play all this stuff i'm getting ready to watch some cutscenes because there's a lot of variations that are going to start happening pretty soon yeah here. i really want to see like we're i think we're going to actually start to see the ramifications of the Caden versus ashley mm-hmm. stuff here and I'm that really is something i'm really excited to get into yeah. yeah yeah um i'm i really want to know how some of these scenes play out with those different characters yeah uh, but until next time thank you for tuning in we'll see you next week for the Mass Effect 3 premiere right here on Hell Normandy yeah. FM. Normandy FM. Normandy FM. Normandy FM. Normandy FM. Normandy FM.